now for something a bit different. A road trip with a twist. A man. A car. A first-rate haunting that will have you buckling at the knees. From the same author, Lucille Fletcher, who we present, The Hitchhiker. A story about a man just trying to find some peace and some freedom. Yet, all is not as it appears. It's a thrill ride, soaked in uncertainty and regret. Buckle up, folks. You're about to hear a story that'll make you look twice the next time you're on the road. Thank you, and don't turn out the lights. I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gullup, New Mexico. If I tell it, maybe it'll help me. It'll keep me from going crazy. But I must tell this quickly. I am not crazy now. I feel perfectly well. Perfectly well, except I am running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Ford V8, license number 6V7989. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know I'm at this moment perfectly sane that it's not me that's gone mad, but something else. Something utterly beyond my control. But I must speak quickly. At any moment, the link with life may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, Mother. Here, give me a kiss and then I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. No, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Hey, what's this, tears? I thought you promised me you wouldn't cry. I know, dear. I'm sorry. But I do hate to see you go. I'll be back. I'll only be on the coast three months. Oh, it isn't that. It's just... The trip, Ronald. I wish you weren't driving. Oh, Mother, there you go again. People do it every day. I know. But you'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Lord, no. You'd think I was still 17 to hear you talk like that. And wire me as soon as you get to California, won't you, son? Of course I will. Now don't you worry. There isn't anything going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. I was in excellent spirits. Drive ahead. Even the loneliness seemed like a lark. But I reckoned without him. Crossing the Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. He stepped off the walk, and if I hadn't swerved, if I hadn't swerved, I'd have hit him. I almost did. Almost did hit him. 
Now, I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought that maybe one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beaten me to the Skyway, and then let him off. I, I didn't stop for him. Then, late that night, I saw him again. It was on the new Pennsylvania Turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I could see him quite distinctly. The bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hailed me this time. I stepped on the gas like a shot. It's lonely country through the Algenes and I had no intention of stopping. Besides, the coincidences, or whatever it was, gave me the willies. I stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir? Fill her up, will you? Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir? No, thanks. Nice night, ain't it? Yes, it is. It hasn't been raining here recently, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Hmm. I suppose that hasn't done your business any harm. No. People drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, though. Ain't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I guess not. What about hitchhikers? Hitchhikers? Here? Why? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? A guy'd be a fool to start out hitchhiking on this road. Look at it. It's 265 miles long. There's practically no speed limit. And it's a straightaway. Now what car is going to stop to pick up a guy under those conditions? Would you stop? No. Then you've never seen anybody? Nope. Maybe they get a lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it's a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't pick up a gut for that long a ride. And you know, it's a pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen nobody like that, have you? No. Oh, no, no, no. It's just a technical question. Oh, I see. Well, that'll be a dollar forty-nine with the tax. The thing gradually passed from my mind as a coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all the next day until just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended at a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there waiting, almost drooping a little the cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours, and he hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello? Hello? I'd stopped the car, of course, for the detour. For a few minutes, I couldn't seem to find the new road. I realized that he must be thinking that I'd stopped for him. Hello? No, not just now. I'm sorry. Going to California? No, no, not today. I'm going to New York. Sorry, sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet, the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me, was somehow unbearable. 
Yet at the same time, I felt, more than ever, unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by, the fields, the towns ticked off one by one, the lights changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. Yep. What is it? What do you want? You still have sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yep, we do in the daytime, but we're closed up for the night. I know, but I was wondering if you could possibly let me have a, a cup of coffee. Black coffee. <laughs> Not at this time of night, mister. My wife's the cook and she's in bed. Maybe further down the road at Honeysuckle Rest. No, no, don't shut the door. Listen, just a minute ago, there was a man standing here, right beside this stand, and he... A suspicious-looking man. Henry! Who is it, Henry? It's nobody, Mother. Just a fellow who thinks he wants a cup of coffee. Go back to bed. Can't I get just one more hour of hard can you, sleep? Can you just get some hard? Without you rambling on like that? Coffee. You go back to bed. Ah. I don't mean to disturb you, but you see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. <sighs> what was he doing? He ran off when I stopped the car. Then what of it? That's nothing to wake a man in the middle of a sleep about. Young man, I've got a good mind to turn you over to the sheriff. But I... You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. And you haven't got anything better to do than to wake decent folk up out of their hard-earned sleep. Now get going. Get on. It looked as though he was going to rob you. I ain't got nothing in this stand to lose. Now on your way before I call sheriff folks. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to rest a little, but I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now, the few resort places there were closed. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again, maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I'd run him down. But I didn't see him again until late the next afternoon. I had stopped the car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by when he appeared across the tracks. He was leaning against a telephone pole. It was a perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet, there were still spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, veering the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then, something went wrong with the car. It stalled right on the tracks. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell, its cry, its whistle crying. Still, he stood there. Now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Well, I frustrated him that time. The starter had worked at last. I managed to back up, but after the train had passed, he was gone, and I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself be alone on the road for one minute. Hello there, hello. Like a ride? What do you think? How far are you going? Amarillo, I'll take you to Amarillo. Amarillo, Texas? Yeah, I'll drive you there. 
Oh, gee! Hop in. Mind if I take off my shoes? My feet are killing me. No, go right ahead. Oh boy, what a break this is. Swell car and a decent guy, driving all the way to Amarillo. All I've been getting so far is trucks. Hitchhike much? Sure, only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the brakes. Yeah, I think it would be. But I'll bet though, if you could get a good pickup in a fast car, you could get to places faster than, well, say another person in another car. I don't get you. Well, you take me for instance. Suppose I'm driving across the country at a nice steady clip of about 45 miles an hour. Couldn't a girl like you, just standing beside the road waiting for lifts, beat me to town after town provided she got picked up every time in a car that was doing 65 or 70 miles an hour? I don't know. Maybe she could, maybe she couldn't. What difference does it make? Uh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. Aww. Imagine spending your time in a slow car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself, why? I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and relax, and if I saw a good-looking girl alongside the road, hey, look out! Did you see him too? See who? That man, standing beside the barbed wire fence. I didn't see anybody. Right there! It was nothing, just a barbed wire fence. What do you think he was doing trying to run into that barbed wire fence? There was a man there, I tell you. A thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? He's a sort of phantom. I'm trying to get rid of him. Or at least prove that he's real. But you say you didn't see him back there? You're sure? I didn't see a soul and... As far as that's concerned, Mr. Well, watch for him. Watch for him the next time and keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again, maybe any minute now. There! Look there! Ah! How's this door work? I I'm getting out of here. Did you see him that time? Did you see him? No, I didn't see him. And personally, mister, I wouldn't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living and... I don't see how I will very long driving with you. Look, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. Please don't go. So if you'll excuse me, mister. Please, you can't go. Uh, listen, how'd you like to go to California? I'll drive you all the way to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No thanks. Listen, please, just one minute. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend, just a good dose of sleep. There, I got it now. No, no, you can't go. Leave your hands off me. Do you hear? Leave your hands off me. Come back here, please come back. She ran from me as if I was some kind of monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up, and I knew then that I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. Tried to figure out what to do, how to get a hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car, just a few hours. Get some sleep just alongside the road. I was getting my winter coat out of the back seat to use as a blanket, just as a blanket, when I saw him coming toward me. 
coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steers. I didn't wait for him to come any closer. Maybe I should have spoken to him then, fought it out then and there, and now he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped, even for a minute, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, a sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was standing near the drinking fountain at a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque where I bought 10 gallons of gas. I was afraid now. Afraid to stop. I began to drive faster and faster. I was in lunar landscape now, the great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. But now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I could see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in its same attitude over the still and lifeless ground, flitting over dried up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacier upheavals, flitting in the pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. It's cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if I could speak to somebody familiar, somebody that I loved, I could pull myself together. Number, please. Long distance? Thank you. This is long distance. I'd like to put in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. The number is Beechwood 20828. Thank you. Thank you. What is your number? My number? It's 312. Albuquerque. New York for Gallup. New York. Gallup, New Mexico calling Beechwood 20828. I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons. It was in the middle of the morning. I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured her tall, white head in a crisp house dress going about her tasks. It'd be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? All right, please deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn, go ahead, please. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, mother? This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? Why? Who's this? This is Mrs. Whitney. Mrs. Whitney? Why, I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this Beechwood 20828? Yes. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is this a member of the family? What's she in the hospital for? She's been bedridden for five days. A nervous breakdown. Who is this calling? Nervous breakdown? My mother was never nervous. It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. The death of her oldest son, Ronald? 
Hey, what is this? What number is this? This is Beachwood 20828. It's all been very... sudden. He was killed six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. And so I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Golub, New Mexico. And so I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get a hold of myself. Otherwise, otherwise, I'll go crazy. Outside it is night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa and mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them, he is waiting for me. Somewhere. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am.